Yeah, as ever, keep that page open as we uh, look at God's word together. Let me pray for us as we begin. So, Father, um, as we come to your word again, we uh, long that you would show us uh, what it means to be your people, how we might live in response to your word. Would your spirit be our teacher? And uh, we pray that each one here might hear the thing that you need them to take away particularly and in your kindness strengthen us all in our faith in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Who are we and who cares? Who are we and who cares? There we go. Um, As we gather as a group here today, uh, whether it be um, uh, Frank, where's Frank? I can't see Frank's at the back there. Whether it be James, is that right? Whether it be uh, Kirsten, whoever we are here, who are we as a group gathered today? And let me explain what I'm getting at here. When we interact uh, with people who don't know Jesus, this is often a question that they are, are asking, quite frankly. It's a question on their minds. So, for example, uh, when I go to the gym, rarely, but when I do go to the gym <laughs> um, and I get the topic of Christianity comes up and I start explaining that I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't know if you get this, whether you're at school or work or socialising, that sort of mixture of confusion at best but slight scorn or pity at worst. Uh, Who are these people? And is there anyone who still really cares? Census data shows, looking back to 2001, people who ticked the Christian box, 71%, 2011, 60%. And we're waiting to see what the data shows. But we're, we're living in a world that is increasingly post-Christian, aren't we? And although on the one hand, being in the minority is normal, we've seen this from chapter 1 of uh, uh, 1 Peter, it can make us nervous, doubtful, asking, well, who are we? Hear this. You are chosen to be part of something special. To be part of the church. you are chosen to be part of something special to be part of the church now the language of church is not used at all in this passage but but it's full of biblical language which is all about God's people gathering to worship him what we're talking about here is bigger than the life choices that we want working out it's bigger than your team at work gelling well. It's bigger than a ceasefire being declared in Russia and pray God that that happens but this is bigger than that. It means that we are chosen to be the church and we are if you like VIPs on the guest list of God because members of the church get to be treated like Jesus. Have a look with me at verse 4. As you come to him that is jesus the living stone remember living because he's risen from the dead rejected by men that is accused spat on laughed at whipped that jesus rejected by humans but chosen by god and precious to him peter is uh, picking up on a, a he expands on this phrase in acts chapter 4 he's talking about the resurrection again the fact that 
that Jesus is exalted now to the highest place and given the name that is above every name. As you come to that Jesus, verse 4, you also, now verse 5, you also, like what? So let me just read it through again. This is important. So verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like what? Living stones. Do you see? Who we are is linked to who Jesus is. He's the living stone. We are like living stones. Jesus is the VIP and we can be too because we are connected to him, which means sometimes rejected, sometimes laughed at, sometimes mocked, just as Jesus is, but also chosen, honoured, special. Silly example, but I find myself with my four young kids at the moment at a lot of school plays and concerts and performances. And the way it often works is, you know, the guests and the parents are um, welcomed into the front entrance of the school and uh, the children have to go in a little sort of side entrance round the back and uh, they of course get ready for whatever they're going to do and at some point they appear on the stage, centre stage, performing for the crowd. And in a sense today as Christians it's a little bit like that, we can feel like the unnoticed ones and even more than that, unloved and mocked and scorned and yet in the end Peter says we are waiting in the wings for the day when we take center stage in God's new creation alongside the resurrected King Jesus Christ. We are living stones because who we are, the church, is connected on with who Jesus is. And so here's the take-home message of today. Here's what I want us to get out of this, verse 4. As you do what? Come to him. It's as simple as that. Put your trust in Jesus. If you're here and you've put your trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to stick with him. And if you're here and you haven't, I want to encourage you to start. And Peter shows us what we are signing up to if we come to Jesus. And there are three things that I want us to see. First, the Spirit is within us. That's in verse 5. Secondly, there's praise that is to flow out of us, also verse 5. We'll see it further on as well. And then honour ahead of us as we look at verses 6 to 8. The spirit within us, praise flowing out of us, and honour ahead of us. So let's dive in. Firstly, the spirit within us. So have a look at verse 5. So as we come to Jesus, the one who's rejected and chosen, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual uh, house. And as we go on to be a holy priesthood of offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the language in this verse, it's, it, it's all a picture language of the temple, a house, a priesthood, sacrifices. And the, the temple, of course, was where you went to be close to God. So think, if you wanted to be close to the queen, where would you go? Buckingham Palace. I heard of a couple of, I don't know, what did you say over here? Windsor. Windsor. Oh, there we go, Windsor, Buckingham Palace. You get the idea. You know where to go. If you wanted to be close to a Tottenham football team, where would you go? 
<laughs> White Hart Lane. Exactly. So, uh, oh, goodness, I'm going to divide even more people now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very true. But, but, if you wanted to be close to God, you went to the temple, right? But verse 5 is saying, you are being built into a spiritual house. You believers who've come to Jesus are being built into a spiritual house. You are being built into the place where the Spirit lives. And notice, it's you are being, you together are being built into a spiritual house. It's not one stone that makes the temple, it's all of the stones together. Together we're built into the place where the Spirit lives. Now, of course, the Spirit dwells with all believers, but there's something special about being with his people. Here's the bottom line here. If you want to be near God, be around his people. If you want to be near God, be around his people, because we are being built into the place where the Spirit lives. Perhaps you were thinking this morning as you got up, I can't be bothered. This is where God is at work. Perhaps when it comes time for your midweek group, you're thinking, I'm just too tired for this. This is where God is at work. Perhaps you're tempted to think on the weekend, the football's on, or I could be doing my wordle. Oh, yeah, hit a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> or there's ironing to do I've got to get ready for you know all these things come into our mind but this is where God is at work people sometimes think don't they I can be a Christian but I don't need others around me to be faithful other Christians but for the Christian the church is a key place where God is at work it's like a tennis player who never actually plays tennis with anyone else something pretty fundamental is missing and yet many of our friends and neighbors and work colleagues well they don't care about church they think it's stupid hear this this is where God is at work do you see the privilege of being chosen to be part of the church we have the spirit within us that's the first thing and now we come to the responsibility that we gladly take on because of that, that there is praise that flows out of us. So verse 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. Thank you, Ed. I saw your, your head very helpfully uh, nodding to me. So, so this is a picture of priesthood, and priesthood... Uh, a priest, the people who had a special responsibility to speak about God. In the Old Testament, there were a very specific group of people, Aaron and his sons, but now it's not limited to certain people. Now, I'm part of a denomination, I'm ordained as an Anglican, as is your vicar, Ben, uh, that have a, a predilection for saying that, that we are priests. But it's very clear here, isn't it? that actually all of those who come to Jesus are a holy priesthood, all believers, and no longer limited to certain places. It's in all places that Christians gather to do what priests did before, 
and that is to declare the praises of who Jesus is. Have a look down at verse 9, which expands on this idea of priesthood. Verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful uh, light. Part of the reason that we're given this new identity as the church is so that his identity, God's, might be made known. I heard recently that someone was offered the role of ambassador to Barbados, uh, the country where I told you my father was from. What a privilege to make things known about uh, this country in that country. We have a higher one to make things known about God to the world. And what is it that we're making known? Well, we want to declare the praises in verse 9 of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Some years ago, I found myself in Brooklyn, New York. I've got some relatives there. And I went out for a walk um, at night. And that was a mistake. Uh, It's very easy to get uh, lost, uh, it turns out, in Brooklyn, New York. And this was pre the days of Google Maps. And so it's a bit like London. You can take a couple of wrong turns and find yourself in a sort of seedy part of town. And I was lost. And for a few minutes, it was super scary. And there were people around, but it was the kind of place where you didn't want to admit that you were lost to the people that you saw around you. (laughs) And uh, I would have loved, in the midst of my lostness, in the midst of the darkness that I found myself in, Uh, that night in Brooklyn, New York, to have someone to put their hand on my shoulder, very gently because I would have been scared out of my wits, but to put their hand on my shoulder uh, uh, that I could trust and say, you're heading into the darkness, but this is the way to the light. You're heading into the darkness, but this is the way to the light. And by his Holy Spirit, God has put his hand on us And in the darkness, Jesus, crucified and risen, has shown himself to be the blazing light that we need. He's drawn us to him. And that is the privilege that we have, to show other people that he is the light that brings us out of darkness. Uh, In Brooklyn, I found my way out. Um, But spiritually, we cannot find our way out, can we? Being lost is tied up with our sinful rebellion against him. And we cannot get out by ourselves. And as we go down that route of sinful rebellion, well, it leads to things like cynicism and bitterness and workaholism and escapism and one day eternal death and judgment. And we live in a world that is full of those things. But friends, we have been shown mercy. We've been shown the way out through Jesus' sin-bearing death. He was treated uh, like we should be, so that we could be treated like he is. And as a result, we have the privilege of being part of the church. There will be times when in life we feel like we don't fit in. And maybe it's our ethnicity and we feel like an outsider. Maybe it's our personality and we feel like an imposter. Maybe it's the money that we have in our pockets and we feel like We're different in our circumstances from those around us. Maybe it's our faith and we we are aware of the gentle mocking of friends. But the privilege we have is to be able to say that we've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light. And verse 10, you were not a people, 
but now we are the people of God, part of the church, a VIP on God's guest list. There'll be times when we, we might feel like we've been judged. Things in our past that we've done, maybe things in our present that we feel ashamed of. But we have been shown mercy. Once we hadn't received mercy, but now we have. And these are deep reasons to declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness and into light. And so when we gather to sing and to pray, uh, we do it with great praise because we do it knowing that there is someone who's brought us out of darkness and into light. We do it in our home groups. We, we want to take opportunities to share our story at work. We've been brought out of darkness and into light. And it's so good, isn't it, that we're coming out of this time of COVID where we've been shut away in our homes and we're actually able to, to go into the office and speak. We're able to invite people back to church and, and meet with us. We're able to eat with one another and share our story. We're able to do it in a thousand ways, but not because we have to do it, but because we can't help but speak of the good that God has done to us, brought us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So you see, we are people who have praise flowing out of us. The spirit within us, praise flowing out of us, and finally, honour ahead of us, honour ahead of us. And we're going to look at verses 6 to 8 here. So in verse uh, 6, Peter is making the point that what we've seen here is God's normal way of working rejected by men but in the end chosen by God. This is God's normal way of working and he takes us back to Isaiah chapter 28. Uh, So verse 6 let me read it, it says for in scripture it says see I lay a stone in Zion a chosen precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put uh, to shame. So back in Isaiah, God said to his people, uh, Israel, don't trust in alliances with other nations. Trust in me and trust in your Davidic king. He's the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the essential, immovable, foundationable stone uh, that the whole building takes its shape from. Trust in him and you won't be put to shame and you'll receive honour. But of course they didn't listen and they went into exile. I was hoping that um, outside, as well as the the inflatable um, bouncy castle, there might be one of those huge giant Jengas, uh, which there wasn't. But I I love those giant Jengas. Uh, And one of the things I I love, it just reminds me of this cornerstone thing, because it doesn't matter how good and beautiful you you make the tower, if you get the base wrong, then the whole thing falls, right? And, and, And the simple thing that Peter's trying to get us to see is that Jesus is the cornerstone Get the foundation right and the whole thing stands. He's the king. Build your life on him and you'll never be put to shame. If you build it on anything else, it may look good for a while, but eventually it will fall. That's the point of verse 6. And then he goes on to Psalm 118. Uh, And here he's talking about, let me read um, verse 7 for us. Now to those who believe this stone has 
Uh, let, me, let me just do this. My, now to those, to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So the pagan nations around, they, they laughed at God, they rejected his anointed king, and sadly, in the end, uh, they guaranteed their own judgment. And today, of course, it will be exactly the same for those who reject Jesus, which means that looks can be deceiving. It seems like God's people are the ones who are being shamed. It seems like we're the ones being rejected, but that is not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. Peter says that actually we are the ones who will in the end get praise and glory and honour. So in verse 7, he's saying that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It looks as if we're the ones who are being rejected, but in fact, we're the ones who in the end will get the glory and honour. And I just want to illustrate this by by turning us back to chapter 1 and verse 6. So this is kind of where we got up to in the first talk. Remember, it says in verse 6, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. So now for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And it says that these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, this is the thing that strikes me. We go through all kinds of trials now. Very often we look weak and foolish. But this verse is saying that in the end, it results in praise, glory and honour. And what I hadn't understood for a long time was that the praise, glory and honour, I thought this is praise, glory and honour to Jesus. That's what you normally think when you see these kinds of words. But it's actually talking about praise, glory and honour coming to us, his people. In other words, there is a day coming in the new creation when the faithful saints of God will themselves be crowned with glory and honour by the Lord himself. So just imagine this. Imagine a day in the future when the Lord himself says to Ed, Kirsten, James, Frank, whoever you are here, During your life on earth, you suffered for my sake, but you never denied my name. You are one of my faithful ones. And as he says that to you, you you hear a rumble beginning to, to shake beneath your feet. And as you look around, you begin to realise that there is a vast cheer rolling across the universe from the assembled crowds. And that rumble, that cheer is for you. And so it will be as one by one, those who have suffered much in this life, those who've had to endure all kinds of stuff, whether it's ridicule or hatred, are revealed and rewarded for their faithfulness. And those who've suffered illness with joy, and those who've lost possessions for their faith, and those who've just walked a hard road on earth but kept going, 
those who've been rejected by friends and family and colleagues for sticking with the Lord Jesus are honoured by him. And of course we'll turn that praise, won't we, instantly back to him. But what a thought that even though the world may reject us, eventually we will be seen to be the ones who are worthy of praise and glory and honour. Come back to chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You are chosen uh, uh, VIPs. You are royal ambassadors. You are a holy community. You are a special possession. I've got a quote up here, I think, which maybe you can uh, read from where you are, from a a computer expert who will remain unnamed in in 1996. Here's what he said. The handheld telephone will remain the main form of person-to-person communication, and companies will transmit urgent documents by fax. So who needs the internet? So this was someone sort of speaking in 1996 with authority uh, about what the future looked like. And the point of this is that he staked his whole career on this. And in the end, it was foolish. Here's my point. We can pin our hopes on the wrong thing. And Peter is saying, as the heat is turned up on being a Christian, and perhaps it seems sometimes more attractive to be part of the majority culture, don't do that with Jesus. He rose from the dead and that changes everything. We can trust his word and his promises. The the world around us says, who are you Christians? And who cares anyway? Don't you realise you're out of date? You're old-fashioned? We say... The Spirit is within us. Praise is to flow out of us. And honour lies ahead of us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to come to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that in coming to Jesus... Uh, we come to one who forms us into the church. Thank you that we get to have you dwelling among us by your Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge that we often underestimate the privilege and benefit of being part of your church. We pray that you grow us in our enjoyment of what it means to be being built up as your body. And Father, we pray too that in being built up as your body, we would be people who would declare the praises of the one who brought us out of darkness and into light. We would recognise the dark path that we were on, that the resurrected Lord Jesus has brought us out of, and that we might be quick to share that with others. We pray too, Father, that it wouldn't feel like a burden but would feel like the delight that it should be 
when we recognise what you've done. We pray, Father, that as we uh, do that, uh, we would do it recognising that great honour lies ahead of us because while trust is in the cornerstone who will never be shaken. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.